This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donation from people like you. Good morning. A while back, someone wrote me an email. The structure of the email was something like this. Um, They said, now I assume you did this and this, and I'm really annoyed at you for that. And I emailed back and said, well, that's interesting. You make an assumption which you assume is correct and have an emotional response to that. And by the way, it wasn't correct. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that the workings of our minds? This way we uh, bring forth reality and then respond to it as if it was thoroughly correct. Um, The third day of Shashin. The third day is like the golden age of Zen. (laughs) (laughs) We sort of adjusted to the shock of (laughs) of Sashin's schedule, getting used to it, starting to settle in. We're not quite enlightened yet, but there's little glimpses. (laughs) Just moments where you see the workings of mind, moments where you connect to the breath. where the sky empties out and there's presence. And we're in the middle of something, you know? It's too soon to start thinking about it being over. Well, maybe it's not for you. (laughs) Maybe you're precocious, (laughs) extra talented. So this, you know, thinking of this teaching I've been reading, and you know, in reading it, I was thinking there's an old Sufi teaching where the the teacher says to the student, take this book of fifty stories and read them, and notice the ones you like, and then notice the ones you don't like. And the student comes back and says, okay, I did that. And she says, now set aside the ones you like and study the ones you don't like. (laughs) When I was in the Theravadan tradition, very much the flavor, in the same heritage, actually, as Yuri's, this, this methodical 
Okay? Work with this, work with this, work with this, work with this. And I didn't like it. Actually, I knew better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. I hadn't been practicing that long, but I knew what the most important point was, and I knew the proper way to practice it. So when something didn't agree with my knowing, well, guess what? It was wrong. (laughs) Justifying my disapproval. Um, This kind of methodical, steady, and my mind would say, my mind is not linear. My mind doesn't give over to uh, a steady progression. Still doesn't. And so I thought, oh, well, I should get around to studying this now. In detail. Study it because I'm not inclined to study it. Read the stories you don't like. Sometimes in our practice, we, we, we hinder teachings for ourselves because we've already concluded those are things we don't need to look at. Sometimes it's because we'd rather not look at them. <laughs> but sometimes it's because they're not important. You know? They're not the skillful way to practice. So I would say to you, watch. If there's experiences that arise, you know, if some recollection or thought comes up and your immediate impulse is to push it away or push it down so you can return to the right practice, the right state of being, um, notice that. Hmm. Dhammai asking Master Ma, what is Buddha? What is the process of awakening? What is the mind that's aware? And maybe you could even say, aware it's aware. Master Ma simply says, this mind, this very mind, the mind that's asking that question. And then, you know, whatever teaching we pick up, whatever teaching we put down, um, They're drawn into, they're attracted into consciousness. Oh, look at how the mind is working now. 
and look at that story I just created and look at the response I'm having to my creation. Sometimes we're inspired. We're motivated. What is our intention, if not to some degree part of our own creation? And from the, you know, in one way we could say, well, this is calling forth the non-dual basis, the non-picking and choosing, the non-setting up and putting down. This very mind is Buddha. Everything that arises is the ground of the Dharma, the expression of the Dharma, the Dharma gate, the opening to liberation. How is this called forth? How is it engaged? In the midst of the clamor of karmic life. You know, the the, the process, almost since Maybe we could say, since the teachings of Shakyamuni, settle the mind, cultivate attention, and then abiding observation. And then over the centuries in Buddhism, how much cultivation, how much attention, as a prerequisite to this abiding. Different schools, different teachers have their notions. Um, But this observation, and here's the notion I've made up today, that um, They always are the front and back foot in walking, from the very beginning, noticing. It took me years to notice the absurdity that even though I was a beginning practitioner, I was convinced by the notion that I knew what awakening was, how to get there, and it was just a matter of getting to it. I thought it would take about six months. <laughs> then I could get on with my life. <laughs> Years to just notice that. Now when I think about it, I think, but it's so absurd. How could you not have noticed that after you've been practicing for 30 minutes? (laughs) 
but to think even in Buddhism, you know. I think all Buddhist sects revere Shakyamuni. But one of the clear instructions that he left was, don't make statues of me. <laughs> what are we doing? Because <laughs> you don't know, about 50 to 100 years later, there was the Dharma wheel, symbol of practice. It wasn't a statue. Then there was a footprint. Ah, see, it wasn't him, just his footprint. <laughs> and then there was a hand. And then it all went to hell from there. It was like, <laughs> you got one hand, why not two hands? You got two hands, why not a few arms, legs? What is it to watch me being me? Is it a function of concentration? Is it a function of abiding open awareness? Is it humility? Just willing to humorously say, what am I up to? Is it repentance? All my ancient twisted karma, I now fully avow. Given all the stuff I get up to, still I vowed to stay here and be present and not just keep reacting in some blind way. What is it? What is Buddha? Yesterday I was talking about citta, hridaya, and virta. Interesting formulation. You know, we, we come to practice and we're operating with our notions of reality, our notions of ourself, the persuasiveness of our memories, the way we have embodied our past experience the allure of our anticipations. To what degree do these need to be softened, laid to rest, seen for what they are? That this abiding presence, this awakening with what's going on, 
in a way, this kind of question is the Zen contribution. It's like the Zen holding up the flower. What's happening now? Even Jury, after his long list of things to attend to, how to attend to them, the adjustments to make when you're attending to them, at the end of the chapter he says, and in summary, this is the English translation, These adjustments most definitely do not have a fixed sequence of implementation. (laughs) 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 It's 60 pages of the breath A, B, C, D, E. The translator added the table of contents A, B, C, D, E. I see. He didn't add this comment, I think. Yes. Um, These adjustments most definitely do not have fixed sequence of implementation. It occurs to me that when we step into the unknown, we can either be frightened or intrigued. Maybe they come together. I think, uh uh-oh, will I be okay? Will you get what you want? Will you be safe, secure, achieve all your goals, vanquish all your foes and demons? No. So in that case, will you get what you want? No, you won't. So relax. (laughs) Are there possibilities of liberation that you haven't even thought of. Yes, there are. How about that for a notion? And this attention, this this way of engaging, this way of opening to what's going on, it has a balancing quality. It it has a way of helping us to not lean too much this way or that way. When your fear comes up, hmm, fear. When you watch your mind grasp after this thought and try to suppress this one. When you watch your enthusiasm and dedication wax and wane. Interesting thing to watch. On a typical day, where in the day am I most dedicated? And where in the day 
Am I not? <laughs> this conditioned existence. This formulation in the Buddha's notion of mind. Over here, you have the mind that generates its own reality, writes its email with assumptions, and then gets upset at, at those assumptions. And I'm assuming you did that, this. And why did you do that? That's really bad. <laughs> and on the other end, seeing the workings of mind. Hmm. Look at these workings of mind. Look at this impulse to anticipate, create a reality, and then yearn for it or dread it, or something in between. This impulse to imbue this person with provocation. When they say that or do that, it calls forth an emotional disposition from me. Maybe one of sweetness and admiration, maybe one of um, pain and hurt. How amazing the human condition. How amazing that intrinsically we have the capacity to hold all that in awareness. And how amazing that in our diligence we can get busy accomplishing something we can decide, here's exactly how you get enlightened, and here I go doing it. What is the mind? What is the way of engaging? What is the attitude, the intention of Buddha mind, of Buddha being? What an extraordinary, powerful question Dhamma asks Master Ma. What is Buddha? These adjustments are definitely, do not, definitely do not have fixed sequence of implementation. 
And yet we are dealing with a complex karmic existence. But it's important to remember the admonition of our practice. How to deal with it. To wake up and see it for what it is. somehow we get to think it's to not be me and be somebody else well then we're ignoring Oscar Wilde who very wisely said you might as well be yourself everybody else is taken this is not the request of our practice it's to see it Maybe we could say, see through it. Or maybe we could just more modestly say, see it as a proposition of reality. Here's a proposition. And watch how it flowers, watch how it creates emotion, watch how it creates a behavior. Watch how it creates a judgment of self or others. And to recognize that this process, reckless and dangerous as it is, in its stepping into unknown territory, this process is supported by the steadiness of presence. Coming back to now. What's happening now? Now the phenomena of momentary existence arise. The interplay of subject and object that give rise to the consciousness of this moment. And to watch how that manifests in the body. How that manifests in the breath, how we can breathe it in, how we can release it with the exhale, because it's dynamic. So one of the challenges of our practice is to be both diligent and adaptable. Usually diligence comes with a certain kind of rigid perseverance. Do this. And if it's not working, do it harder. Do this with a light touch. Do this because 
in the intrinsic wisdom of your being, this comes forth as the vow of practice. And a light touch. Let it be an experiment. Don't know what the result is supposed to be. And this kind of mind, this kind of attitude, this kind of involvement, uh, it has a zest. It it has built into it a... um, in alignment with our natural curiosity and creativity. It's very interesting if you think about it. We like to digress from the reality in front of us and conjure up another version. When this zest, when this curiosity and creativity are meeting and exploring what's happening now, there's a harmonizing. There's more of a um, energetic synergy. There's more of a flow. Like those moments when you're serving and the structure and the demand for attention and purposeful activity draw you into the moment and you flow with it. And then you make a mistake. Something that we've decided is... Well, that's not the form. The form is this. And when we're in the flow, um, so be it. Um, Here it is. Move on. Serve the next person. Our practice, our structured practice is giving us these examples, these clues of the wind of the Zen school. Of what is it to be Buddha? The verse says, when you have this attitude, when you have this state of being, you wear Buddha's clothes, you eat Buddha's food. of our practice is to watch, to feel, to experience the unfolding of Buddha way.
we attend to the body to learn what is it to be body. We attend to the breath to learn how to be breath. Not that there's a separate goal to be accomplished, but there's this great Buddha field of learning and expression. And in this learning, we learn the particular of serving, and we learn the particular of entering any situation that arises for our life. It's just another form of serving somebody lunch. So the third day, how to carry this attitude, disposition, way of being. Can it sink into our bones? Can, can it hold all the variations of me that we can come up with? Can we meet them with humor, compassion, forgiveness, patience? However, whatever is appropriate in the moment. This very mind is Buddha, and this Buddha mind has endless expressions. And we sit down in Hridaya consciousness. We sit down in the heart of being. This amazing way that attending to body, attending to breath, attending to the arising experience of now reminds us, reintroduces us to the heart of being. And sometimes sitting there The sound of the blue jay is as much me as a sensation in my knee. They're all one body of being. They're all rising and expressing the heart of being. the learning that comes from experiencing directly. As we experience directly, 
we see existence for what it is. When we see that tendency of thought or feeling that reaches out, defines the object, has a response to its definition it's just created. Mm. How many hundreds of thousands of times have we done that? But in this seeing, experiencing, we learn. Mary Oliver puts this learning, this remembering, like this. Even now, I remember something. The way a flower in a jar of water remembers its life in the perfect garden. Something in the moment of presence. And I think we've all had them, whether we noticed or not. In a moment of presence, it has its own completeness. Before we get busy conjuring up, creatively conjuring up a notion how it could be different or better, or how it's going to fade, and not last. Before that, just there, just itself. It can be as simple as the way the light shines in the window on the floor. It can be as subtle as when there's just an awareness of mind in a moment. Hmm. How amazing it is to be a human being. The way a flower in a jar of water remembers its life in the perfect garden. The way a flower in a jar of water remembers its life as a closed seed. The way a flower in a jar of water steadies itself, remembers itself remembering itself. Long ago, the plunging roots, the gravel, the rain, the glossy stem, the wings of the leaves, the swords of the leaves, rising and clashing for the rose of the sun, the salt of the stars, the crying of the wind, the beds of the clouds, the blue dream the unbreakable circle. And in the perfection of its suchness, it being completely itselfness, the agitations, the distresses, the fears, the resentments, the dissatisfactions, 
just attributes of existence. Just to uh, glimpse this. of Zen, somebody has to go and cook lunch. Thank you for that. Um, determined diligence at the heart of our practice. You know. Sit here now. How paradoxical that that's the gate of liberation. To me, it's as paradoxical that we would revere the great Shakyamuni and also decide to ignore his admonitions. But we are human. This is what we do. Can we sit here now diligently, but as simply as a flower in a vase of water, as simply as just being available for the next inhale. Just noticing how awareness flickers. Noticing that a period of zazen can have a certain, almost like density to it. Sometimes it feels lighter than air, sometimes heavier than stone. The workings of the heart of consciousness, the heart of being, 
are not decipherable by chitta, by uh, our conscious discerning mind. They operate, they function in their own mode of being. But in giving over, something is learned, something is remembered. We give over to the experience. And somehow, it facilitates and expresses awakening. We don't figure it out. We give over to it. We give over to the breath, the body, the sound, the smell, the taste, the touch of the moment. We can work with our attitude. We can work with our diligence. But we give over. 